Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Okay, a, a moment of honesty and confession as we begin this morning. How many of you, by an upraised hand, have ever re-gifted a present that was intended for you? Can I see your hand? Okay, if that's you, just hold it up for a moment. Okay, I see that hand in the back hiding behind that head. Okay, lift it high. It's, it's good to be honest and transparent. It's very freeing, okay? So a lot of us have done this, and, um, and, and I think my most memorable re-gifting experience, well, I was actually the recipient of it, came a few years back when um, I received for a fall pastor appreciation uh, a gift card from someone for $100. It was a gift card to a place that we had never been before, and probably would have not gone to uh, if it were not for the gift card. But my wife and I were really excited uh, about going to this place, and we were looking forward to our date night that was going to really cost us little to nothing. And when I went to pay the bill, some of you already know where this story's headed. There was about 20-some dollars on a gift card that said $100. I know who you are, by the way, this morning in this auditorium, Okay. <laughs> Um, somewhere, it was crazy, we, think about it, we were re-gifted a used gift card. <laughs> now somewhere in the re-gifting rule book, there's a rule against that, I think, that you really can't do that. So, and for the record, the person who did that is no longer part of the Grace Crossing Church family. <laughs> oh, not because of the gift card, what, they, they got relocated, so no worries, um, well, well, Christmas can honestly feel a lot like regifting, can it? I mean, every December we kind of come to this month and we pull out our same decorations, we kind of go through our same traditions, we sing the same stories, uh, the same songs, and we hear kind of that same story. And, and here's the danger of that, is that somewhere along the line, the story and the beauty and the significance and the meaning and the mystery and the wonder and the wow of Christmas can get lost in the familiarity of it all. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been refocusing our thoughts on the unfamiliar aspects of the Christmas story, uh, those aspects that often are not talked about when we think about Christmas. And as we've been learning in this series, it's complicated. It's very, very complicated. So the passage that we're going to look at this morning and the story is one that rarely, if ever, is used or talked about when we talk about the first Christmas. It's actually the first recorded event that happens following uh, all of the excitement of the birth of Christ the Savior. Mary and Joseph, his parents, bring him to dedicate him back to God. That was their first real act of worship as parents. And while they are doing this, the Bible says they, they have two individuals that, that come to them in the temple and speak into their lives. They give them a verbal gift, if you will, and they actually tell Mary and Joseph what it is that's going to happen with their son, Jesus. It's almost like figuring out what the gift is before you actually unwrap the package and really see it. Now, how many of you here, by applause, how many of you here 
actually try to figure out your gift before you open it. By applause. How many of you do that? Shame on you. I mean, actually, I'm very guilty of that. Um, uh, There's something really complicated here. Like, I love to surprise my wife with gifts, but I hate to be surprised. I'm a conflicted man. I am complicated. And so... um, it, 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 it's not uncommon, and I've done this before, where I actually have convinced my wife that I knew what my gift was just so she would tell me. I'm a bad person, aren't I? I mean, I really am. And, and, and I've had to go back and apologize. Honey, I didn't know, but I didn't know you were actually going to tell me. Now, I've matured a lot since then. That was in my young and foolish days, and so I've grown a lot since last Christmas. I don't do that anymore. I mean, I just don't. What we hear in the narrative of the story that we're going to look at today is is like the gift getting unwrapped. I mean, many of us as parents, in some ways we think, man, I'd love to know what's going to become of my kids before it happens to them. No, we wouldn't. Because in reality, to know adds another layer of conflict and complication to the job of being a parent, doesn't it? The first person that comes and speaks to them when they're bringing this child, Jesus, their baby to dedicate him comes from a man by the name of Simeon. We read about it in Luke chapter 2. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was a righteous and devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law that it required, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined. I want to hit the pause button in the narrative. I really love what it's teaching us here because the word destined means intended for a purpose and a goal. So think about that. Before Jesus Christ was ever gifted to Mary and Joseph, before he was ever gifted to the earth, God actually had a destiny in mind for him. He was conceived in Mary's womb. He was conceived for a destiny. And he was destined for purpose on purpose. Now the world likes to call this fate, but the Bible uses this term destined or destiny? And the question is, what is it that Jesus was destined for? Well, I want to read three scriptures to you, and I want us to see if you can, as I'm reading these, listen to that word destined and try to piece together and weave together what it is that Jesus came for. Romans chapter 8, we know that all things work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, 
that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those that he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Ephesians chapter 1. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And a little later on in that same chapter, in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Now here's what these verses are suggesting. Not only was Jesus destined, but you and I are destined in God. Before you and I were ever conceived, before you and I were ever born, God had an intentional plan and an intentional purpose for our life. Jesus was not a coincidence, and Jesus was not an accident, and neither are you. You have been created by God for a particular purpose. And what is that purpose? It is that we would be found in Christ and that we would live our lives on purpose with destiny so that one day we could reach an ultimate destination that God created and God prepared before the foundation of the earth. That's profound. And you might be seated here in this auditorium this morning, and you might say to yourself, I'm not living my life today feeling like I'm living for destiny. You may feel like you're living your life, but your life is just simply happening by default and not by design. Perhaps that's you today. Well, before we conclude this service this morning, we're going to give every person in this auditorium an opportunity to actually begin to live out their destiny here on earth so that we can ultimately find our destination through Jesus Christ to be with God. It's a remarkable thing, and God makes it available to each one of us. But back to the narrative of the story. Simeon goes on to tell Mary some things about Jesus that were pretty profound. Let's look at what he was destined for. This child is destined to cause the rise, the falling and rising of many in Israel, to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. Not the kind of destiny that I suspect Mary and Joseph had in mind for their son. What is it Simeon says? Here's what, it, here's what Simeon says to Mary. Mary, did you know? Did you know that your son is going to ruin human religion as the world knows it? Mary, did you know? Did you know that your son will be the source of much controversy and conflict? Mary, Mary, did you know that not only will your son penetrate the darkness of this earth, but he's going to penetrate the darkness of every human heart and bring to light the motives that are within the human heart? Did you know that, Mary? 
Mary, did you know that he's going to cause incredible, immeasurable pain in your own life? You're going to feel broken, and you're going to feel hurt. You know, when we are new parents, that's the last thing we want to think about, isn't it? But if you're like me and you've lived long enough and you've got adult children and now grandchildren, you know that sometimes in life, the story of your family doesn't go the way you had planned. The story of your kids doesn't turn out the way you thought they were destined. But here's where the story gets so interesting. I think that in life, like Mary, we tend to only be able to understand what our finite minds can conceive. And because our understanding is limited, we misunderstand what God is up to behind the scenes. That God is doing something that we could never imagine, even if we had all the facts, we couldn't piece it together and figure out what it is God is doing. That's actually what the scripture teaches in Corinthians. For this light momentary affliction, the pain we go through, the heartache and the sorrow is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're moving, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Here's the deal. Not everything is as it appears. In every experience that we go through in life, just like Mary, there are two sets of eyes looking at it. There are two sets of eyes looking at our children and our grandchildren. There are two sets of eyes looking at our problems and our difficulties, the things in life we just wish would go away. We see it through our eyes, but there's another set of eyes looking at it. And that set of eyes is God's. And God sees what we can't. And God understands what we can't fathom in our finite minds. And God understands something that he's working well beneath the surface of what we can see. You see, sometimes in life, it's when we come through our experience that we can look back and see how God was working during that experience. We didn't even see it. But it's only when we come through it. I think the late Steve Jobs, CEO of Apple, I think he said it best in 2010 when he gave the commencement address at Stanford University. And he said this, you can never connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots when you look back. It's so true, isn't it? One of my most cherished books in my library today is a book entitled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There's a section in here called A Greater Appreciation for Holy Unknowing, Holy Mystery. I want to read it to you because I think it's fitting for what we're talking about this morning. I like control. I like to know where God is going, exactly what he is doing, the exact route of how we are getting there, and exactly when we will arrive. I also like to remind God of his need to behave in ways that fit my clear ideas of him. For example, God is just, merciful, good, wise, loving. The problem is that God is beyond the grasp of every concept I have of him. He is utterly incomprehensible. 
Yes, God is everything revealed in Scripture, but he's infinitely more. God is not an object that I can determine, master, possess, or command. And still I try to somehow use my clear ideas about God to give me power over him to somehow possess him. Unconsciously, I make a deal with God that goes something like this. See if this resonates with any of you this morning. I obey and keep my part of the bargain, God. Now you bless me. Do not allow any serious suffering in my life. God doesn't appreciate being demoted to the rank of our personal secretary or assistant. Remember who we're dealing with. God is imminent, which just simply means he's so close. But God is also transcendent, which means he is so utterly above and beyond what we can grasp in our human bodies. God is knowable, yet he's unknowable. God is inside us and beside us, yet he's wholly different from us. For this reason, Augustine wrote, if you understand, it is not God you understand. There are aspects of God's character and God's nature that we simply can't understand. How is it that God would say, through this prophet, that that child is going to be the cause and the source of so much pain and suffering in the heart of these parents. Can I tell you why he said it? He said it for we that are seated here today. The reason that Jesus came to this earth, the reason he was destined for all of that, is because of us. In fact, Anna, who is the second person that speaks at his dedication, Anna says this in Luke chapter 2, 36 through 39. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but she worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, to Mary and Joseph, at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. After what she had heard from Simeon, I suspect these were really good words for Mary. Because what Anna says is basically this. That word redemption simply means purchase or salvation. And what Anna said was that your child is actually going to become the source of hope for every person on this earth. The Jews have been longing for their Messiah, their Savior to come. Gentiles, we that were outside of the Jewish faith, have been living, wandering hopelessly and aimlessly in darkness, not knowing which direction to go. And all of a sudden, what interrupts the landscape of human history is this child that comes destined for our salvation. I want to juxtapose a thought that I shared last weekend as I close our, our service today. When Mary and Joseph came to dedicate their child to God, the Bible says they were required by Jewish law to bring a gift, an offering that was called a redemption offering. Every Jewish family, the parents, were obligated to bring at the time of dedication a lamb or a pigeon or dove. If you were a poor family, you didn't have to buy the lamb. You were permitted to then bring two doves or two young pigeons. 
Because Joseph and Mary were a poor family, that's what they brought. That was all they could offer. And the Bible says they bring, and I want you to think about this, they bring this redemption price and they give it back for Jesus who was now to become the Redeemer, the Savior of the whole world. Here's what Anna was really saying. If you need hope for your life, you need look no further than into the eyes and the face of this Christ child. If you need purpose, if you need to know your destiny here on earth, you need look no further than into the face of this Christ child. Do you feel lonely? Do you feel sad? Do you feel this Christmas that life hasn't been fair to you? There were certainly people there that day that would have felt that. What Anna is saying is you need look no further than into the face of this child. Because in the face of Jesus Christ is everything we could ever hope for and ever desire here on this earth. He brings the satisfaction that nothing this side of eternity will ever produce for us. He brings meaning and purpose to our lives in a way that nothing else can. And so this Christmas, we've been given a marvelous gift, haven't we? Mary and Joseph were entrusted with this gift, but it was bigger than them. It was for every one of us. And we've been given a marvelous gift that God now invites us to, in turn, give our lives back to him as a gift. I can't think of any better way to move into Christmas week but by accepting the gift of God's salvation, God's redemption through Jesus Christ, and gifting your life back to him. I can't think of a better way for you to move into this celebration week but by putting Christ at the center of the throne of your heart. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes in just a moment. Jamie is going to lead us in a prayer, a prayer of invitation, an invitation to Christ to come and be born in the manger of our hearts. And this morning, if you are here in this auditorium with heads bowed and eyes closed and you are wanting to give an invitation to Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Savior this Christmas. Or maybe perhaps you're here this morning and maybe you've been living far from God and it's time for you and you know it. It's time to get back on track with your destiny. And say, God, I want to start living my life differently. I want to live it for you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to invite you very quickly to raise up your hand and you can put it right back down. If you're here today and you want to invite Christ to be born in your heart today and you want to give your life to him and you want him to be your savior so that you can fulfill your destiny on this earth. Would you lift your hand if that's you? Yeah, there are several. other others this morning, several that are saying, I want to invite Christ to be my Savior, to be born in my heart. Are there others this morning? I'm going to wait just a moment. If you're here, you'd like to be included as we pray this final prayer. We dedicate our hearts back to God. Lift up your hand if that's you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.